This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Welcome to episode number 32 of the North American Waterfowler podcast. My name is Elliot, and this is the North American Waterfowler. We started this podcast January 1st, and if you have been following me and what I'm doing, I started Freelance Duck Hunting YouTube channel in 2015. I had been, every year from, say, I don't know, 2020 to 2014, 2015, right around July, August, I started really getting hungry for waterfowl hunting. And I would watch as many waterfowl hunting shows as I could. Even even late July, that's kind of when it started. I just like started feeling it. And I was big into Ducks Unlimited and their video series. And at that time on their website, you could go back and look at episodes starting about 2007. And I looked for this recently and it's not there anymore. This was before Ducks Unlimited was on YouTube at all. They were a Saturday morning show, but I found a place where you could go and, and watch all their archive shows. And I was just absolutely in love with the Ducks Unlimited um, videos. They did not call it Ducks Unlimited TV. It was Wade Bourne's heyday, who he passed on. But if if you know who Wade Bourne is, it was the heyday of Wade Bourne. And Wade Bourne, actually, there was a video. They did a lot of guided waterfowl hunts. And for me, when I'm watching waterfowl hunting videos, if I know it's a guided hunt, I almost always just turn it off. I'm just not interested. Personally, there's nothing wrong with going on a guided hunt. I went to with Joel to Cypress Crossings where he worked before. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But 
and I went with Chad Dawson um, one time and, and on a guided waterfowl hunt. So I, I'm not opposed to guided waterfowl hunts. But if I'm going to watch someone hunt on a video, it's going to have to be public land. Unless there's something unique about it. Um, but as far as like dry field, the majority of the guided hunts seem to be dry fields. And I'm not that interested in watching those. Um, and, but you, um, Ducks Unlimited did do quite a few of guided hunts. But every now and then they would they would go on to public. And especially Wade Bourne would do this. Big Wade Bourne fan. <laughs> And he would call them freelance duck hunting. He would, and that's the first time that I had heard that phrase coined, freelance duck hunting. And I loved it. And there was one time they went to Lake Eufaula down in Oklahoma, which I've never been to. I'd love to make a trip down there. And they found this little, this little small smart weed hole. They shot a bunch of ducks in it. My very favorite, this would have been about 2000 and shoot, I don't know, nine, uh, nine, 10, 11, somewhere in that range. And I just fell in love with that episode and watched it a bunch of times. And I, I knew I could tell that Wade Bourne loved freelance duck hunting. And so I started my YouTube channel and I was like, I love that phrase freelance duck hunting. I'm like, I'm just going to call this freelance duck hunting. 2015, I started my YouTube channel and I called it freelance duck hunting because specifically because that's what I do. Freelance duck hunting is it's nomadic waterfowl hunting. If you have a lease, if you have a pit blind, even, even if you only hunt the same one or two public land marshes. You're not freelance duck hunting. Freelance duck hunting is being a nomadic waterfowl hunter. You go where you need to go. You find the birds. I've got, I've got an app called freelance hunt stats. We're turning it into the North American waterfowler. We're changing the name. And in that app, it's also a website. You um, create your own hunt locations. And the reason that I set it up that way is I've never liked, I've played around with a lot of apps where they want you to satellite imagery pin where you're hunting. And I just, I personally don't like the idea of that. I don't want to satellite pin where I'm hunting and get, so where someone has access to that. So when I had this app created, when you create your location, you name it and there's no satellite points to it. So no one no one can ever find out where it is that you're hunting. I keep that secluded. But on there, I've got over, God, I don't even know, 40 to 60-ish locations that I've created. Where it's like, if I'm hunting a particular lake area, I'm not just going to call it that complex. There might be seven marshes on that. Or even like a main lake, I might just be like, I've got a place called Nevin's Cove where my son shot his first mallard duck. And it's on a, it's on a big lake. It's a cove in the big lakes. When I hunt there, that's Nevin's Cove, right? So when I say I've got 40 to 60 locations, it's like on that lake, there might be four or five places that I hunt a lot and they might have different names, right? To give you the idea. But a freelance duck hunter is kind of nomadic. And I just absolutely loved the idea of, of that. And so I've been filming, I've been making videos on YouTube. This will be year number nine. Josh from Outdoor Limits and I started, I don't know who posted the, the first hunt. 
I can tell you when mine was. I posted mine two or three days after the opener in 2015, and I don't know how quickly he posted this. I'm guessing that I mine was a few days before his. <laughs> this is really comical. I'm not going to go into it. Josh, and he's a good friend of mine, um, hunted with him, hung out with him. We text. We've trained dogs together. He's a good friend of mine. But he was just getting into waterfowl hunting, and um, and I'll just say they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> but they had a fantastic, a, fa- a fantastically great year that year. And his second year, they crushed him. So he he and his learning curve was fantastic, and he shot a ton of ducks. And he's a wonderful waterfowler. But he and I were the first two to ever start vlog um, vlogging duck hunting videos on youtube that i that i am aware of i i know i in 2014 i was scouring because like i said i was um i would go to dutv and that time it wasn't even called dutv it was just ducks unlimited and i would watch other videos i was watching some of the grind um and some other off i don't even those are the, those are the names that that jumped to my mind that i was watching but I can tell you that I just kind of started using YouTube and I was scouring YouTube for duck hunting videos. And all I could find was um, kill shot montages to rock music. There was nobody that was like vlogging it. And in 2015, Josh and I started doing that and we were the first two to do it. And I hold that as like a badge of honor. It's like on YouTube, Josh and I were the first two people to that I can find. If you can find someone that was doing it before that, let me know. But we were the first two to ever do that. And ironically, we were both, both in Kansas. And I started that channel. I've been doing that for nine years. Um, And then during that process, I started joining Jordan at duck on Chronicles, his podcast. And we were the duck gun podcast. And I was on that for, I don't know, four or five years, 250 episodes. And just, you can go and listen. If you don't listen to that, go check it out. It's a great podcast. He's been kind of on a hiatus, but he's going to start again soon. I'm pretty sure. And so lots of episodes, lots of episodes there, but Jordan and I decided to go our separate ways, which he's talked about on that. We're still good friends. We still text. We've texted within the last few days. So nothing, no issue between us. It was just, it had kind of run its course and it was time. So I started this North American Waterfowler podcast, January, right around like January 2nd, January 3rd, first episode. And it has brought so much enrichment and so much joy to my life. I just, the thing about the Duck on podcast, which I love, but it was Jordan's. He started it. I was a guest on episode like five and I actually contacted him. I was like, man, I would love to co-host this with you, but this was his thing, his baby. The duck on podcast is Jordan's baby. And so when I started in the North American waterfowler, it's my baby and freelance duck hunting is my baby. This is my baby. And the thing about when you have a co-host is you have to set your time and date for recording. And, and it's like Jordan and I recorded every Wednesday, every Wednesday night. And you just may not feel like it at the time. You know, there was lots of nights I'd get them for it's like, oh man, I don't really feel like it. Now, normally speaking, once we started recording, I loved it. There were some nights you just dragging through it, but normally speaking, I just loved it. I really did. 
but with the North American Waterfowler podcast, I can hit record whenever I want. And that key fact alone makes the content that I bring better because I've got a podcast room. So my house um, off the master bedroom, there's just a separate room and they probably used it. The last people probably used it for an office, but it's my podcast room. It's got, I'm looking at it right now. It's got Georgie's on the wall. Here. It's got Georgie's ribbons. It's got a eight point deer skull. That means a lot to me because I found it in the hunting location. That means more to me than the location. It's got all my final approach and banded gear. It's got um, my mounts. I love, love this room. And I can come in here and I can record just whenever I feel like it, whenever I want to. And I'm telling you, there, there is that makes the content that much better. And with the Duck on podcast, Jordan was normally coming up with the ideas and he does a great job of that. It's a wonderful podcast, very successful podcast. You should listen to it if you don't. But with the North American Waterfowler podcast, I, I get to come up with the content. I come up with the ideas. And I, it gives me more ownership. It's, it's just, I can curb it to my style, which Jordan styles, my style is very, very similar, but it's, it's, I can make it just kind of more my own. And I can, those of you that have been listening and, and reaching out to me and message me, which if you ever want to message me, you can find me on Facebook. You can also find me at freelance duck hunting on Instagram. I love hearing from you guys. Also, you can come join Patreon, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting, where you get video feeds of what I'm doing, because I do lots of live streaming just on Patreon, where you can come and um, watch with the video feed. And, uh, but I just really, really, really been enjoying this podcast. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for the support you're giving me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out to me. Those of you are on Patreon. Thank you for, for supporting me over there. This has just been really, really rejuvenating. Because through eight years of filming, I've got, gosh, gosh, I don't know, 600 YouTube videos. I've filmed almost every hunt in the last eight years, minus a couple. Even the ones that I haven't posted, I've filmed. It, it can become a, not a drag. It can become, how should I put it? Your motivation for just cranking out content can ebb and flow, just like with anything else. And uh, it's just, it's been a remarkable journey and I've loved every second of it. And even though Kansas is trying to um, stomp their foot on it and say, you can't do it, I promise you I'm going to be coming out with videos. Um, I'm not going to stop filming. Uh, if I have to go to Nebraska, I'll go to Nebraska. If I have to completely demonetize and make sure I don't have any partners, I'll do that. Because when I started filming, it was because I want to save my memories of hunts. I cannot from 2000, uh, from 1991 to 2014, I cannot remember enough of those hunts. And I want to be able to, we do things in life for two reasons. The experience of doing something is very, very minimal as to why we do things. We do things for the preparation up front, the anticipation. And we do things for the memory because the actual experience is fantastic. But I know you'll agree with me when I say it is gone. 
those moments of it actually happening are in flash of a second, it seems like, and they're gone. And so we really do things for all of the prep work, all of the anticipation, talking to our buddies, planning it out, and then reminiscing over it, thinking about the memories of it, right? That's the reason we do things. And so I just knew I'm not remembering this stuff enough. I was telling my dad, I told in 2013, I told my dad, I'm starting a video vlog because I'm not remembering enough because we kept detailed spreadsheets of everything. What you have on Freelance Hunt Stats, I have, I have the same capability on a spreadsheet and it was a, it was a complex spreadsheet I made over years and did the same things, just not as glitzy. And so in August, I would go over my notes and try to relive these hunts. Izzy's first hunt is a very memorable hunt that I, that I, I remember a lot from, but as I go back, as I would go back and look at those hunts, I'm just not remembering. I'm just not remembering enough of this stuff. Maybe waterfowl hunting is too important to me. Probably so. It calls to me and I obsess over it. And I kept telling my dad, I'm not remembering enough of this stuff that we've been through. My dad and I, my dad, even like, shoot, 91 is when we started waterfowl hunting. I got way more memories of that going back into prairie chicken hunting. And I'm just going to do an episode at some point just on prairie chicken hunting and all my memories of it because prairie chickens hold beyond a special place in my soul. And we did, there was a point in time where we were into prairie chicken hunting like we're into waterfowl hunting now. And the way that we hunted them is very, very non-typical <laughs> to say the least. I'm going to go into that at some point. But all the early dove hunts I went on with my dad, all of the quail and pheasant openers, all of the prairie chicken hunts, all the turkey hunts that led up to 1991, which would have been through about 80. 82, 83 to 91. And then from 91, we started the waterfowl hunting and just lost our minds over it. My dad got a pointing lab, which didn't get to point very much because once we started waterfowl hunting, that's all we wanted to do. Through my dad's first dog, through his second dog, up until I, I moved away to my first dog, my second dog. I'm just like, I'm not remembering enough of, of what I'm doing. When I'm looking back over the spreadsheet, I don't have enough mental pictures that I want to have more mental pictures. And I told my dad, 2013, I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a video log of this. When I get done with the hunt, I'm just going to not a, what my idea was just a video log, me talking. And which I never, never ended up doing. 2014, I kept telling him I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I just, I just was not doing it. And then 2015, my father-in-law dropped a camera in my lap. And that's when I started kind of, I was watching more YouTube videos and whatnot. And so I, I took it, took it with me, took the camera with me. It was Danny boy's first hunt, slapped it on YouTube so I could send the link to my dad. Oh my gosh, people are watching. <laughs> Not a lot of people. I mean, when I, I didn't think anyone would watch, I had never posted a single video to YouTube in my life. This was 2020, 2015. Um, I had never even thought about uploading a YouTube video for people to actually watch. I had made a couple of other videos before that, but I just, I don't know. I just thought I was sending it to my dad. It was on there. Oh my gosh, 60 people watched this video and there actually a couple have made comments about it. 150 people watched this video. It was just such, hit me like, I don't know. It, it was just crazy. And 
hunt number two, hunt number three, hunt number four. Like people are actually watching this, <laughs> but it was for me. It was solely for me. And I'm going to continue to record solely for me, no matter what Kansas says or what Kansas does. I'll take a video camera out and I will film so that in 20 years, when I'm 70, I can watch it. And Kansas can't stop me from doing that if I don't post it anywhere. And so I'm going to keep filming. Um, and so anyway, kind of going down rabbit trails today. Um, I just wanted that led into all the podcast stuff. And I just thank you guys so much, so much for watching it. Uh, one thing about this podcast that I want is I'm trying to be a little different. There's a lot of waterfowl podcasts out there right now. And the duck on podcast was one of the first to do it. I mean, Jordan jumped on the podcast thing fast and early. And there's a lot of them out there right now. So I'm trying to find ways just to be a little unique, a little different, you know, the comment of the week, Woody's top five, which is what you're going to hear today. The little music breaks, some of the content that I don't hear that often, you know, value of life of ducks, things like that. Um, trying to be a, a standout, which is by being just me and a little bit different. So every other Thursday, two Thursdays a month, and I'm trying, I, I have, I have scheduled this out clear to mid July that I've got two podcasts a week coming Mondays, Thursdays, 6am is when I'm posting these things. And, um, so be ready for that. And every other Thursday is just going to be me giving an update comment of the week and Woody's top five. Now I've had, I know that some people don't know which episodes contain the Woody's top five. Some people really, really like it. And so from now on, when there's a Woody's top five, it's going to be in the title. And so every other Thursday, and this is the first episode of this is where the Woody's top fives are going to be, where it's just going to be a little update. a talk a little bit, comment of the week, Woody's top five. So that <laughs> took me 20 minutes to explain, to explain that. Um, I'm going to take a real quick break here and then we are going to come back with a comment of the week and then we're going to hit Woody's top five. And there's something that Woody said in this Woody's top five that keeps rolling around in my head and making me giggle. It just keeps making me giggle. So we will be right back in just a second with comment of the week and then we'll roll into Woody's top five. Open says I'm here comes dry stomach. Catch me if you can mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Thank you for coming back with me. Let's jump into the comment of the week. It's time for the comment of the week. All right. Comment of the week this week is from Zach Outdoors. And Zach is, as far as I know, one of the longest active reigning subscribers to the Freelance Duck Hunting YouTube channel. And I hunted with him up in Michigan when I was with Jordan and Mike up there on my first ever dedicated diver hunt with long lines. And we shot a few enough. It was a really fun time. And so I just want to give a shout out to Zach. Thank you for being around so long. Thank you for watching the videos for so long. And so Zach's comment says, the feeling of breaking a couple hunt long slump is incredible. I can't even imagine that feeling after a couple season long slumps. And what Zach is referring to is I have been running some videos called memory lane Mondays and I've kind of slacked off on it a little bit, but I'm just kind of showing some, since I have 600 videos and eight seasons, I'm, I'm cherry picking some videos that are very, very special to me. And putting those back out there in the off season, essentially. And this video I put out was from season three and it was with Aiden golden boy and myself. And it was just such a memorable hunt. And it was a hunt that broke a slump. When I started my YouTube channel, the first two seasons of freelance duck hunting were two of the hardest, worst seasons of my life where we just honestly, we just couldn't shoot ducks. There was so many times we had ducks scouted. They were right there and you go the next morning and it just doesn't happen. We've all had those hunts where you think it's going to be great and it just sucks. And season one and season two just happened. Hunt after hunt, after hunt, after hunt. Season one was really, really bad, really bad year. Season two, made season one look like a good year. I got skunked 45% of my hunts in season two. And I went back at that time and went all through my historical data. And I, I, I averaged it out that at that time, I haven't, I have not figured this out since then. So there's been a bunch of years since then that I haven't, haven't gone back and looked at this stat, but my skunk rate from 2000, about seven to 2016 was 12%, meaning 12, 12 out of every 100 hunts, I'd get skunked. And in season two, I got skunked 45% of my hunts. I get out about 30 times a year, somewhere between, I, typically between 26 and 35 hunts a year is about what I can get in. And so if it's 30 hunts a year, then that's going to be about 12 or 13 of those. I mean, almost 50% of those were skunks. I, I've just never, ever, endured something like this in my life. And it just so happened. It was the first year that I was airing my hunts publicly. Now we would all like to say, we don't care what people think, but in reality, especially us, us hardcore OCD, North American waterfowlers. So much of our identity is tied into waterfowling. Should it be? Probably not. Is it? Yes. We want people to see us as competent. I was listening to the Ducklander podcast, Bobby Hayes, who he's going to be on here. Um, I'm not, we don't have a date set, but he, he was on the Duck Gun with us a 
couple times. Um, I've talked with him multiple times, saw him out at the Rogers show, talked to him there. Honestly, I've been a huge fan of his for a long time because he, he uh, several years before I put out freelance cell cutting, he put out a series of, of water violence. I mean, they were more professional kind of level than they were vloggish, but oh man, they were fantastic. And they were on public land and they were just phenomenal videos. And so I kind of became a fanboy of his um, ever since watching those videos and then getting to kind of know him a little bit and having him on the duck on podcast and talking to him. Um, and I can't wait to have him on here. It's going to be great. Anyway, Bobby has started his own podcast, a Ducklander podcast or Ducklander calls, or anyway, I'm not exactly, can't remember the exact title of it, something along that line. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out because Bobby's got a unique way of articulating things. He's got a unique way of viewing things. The way that he breaks things down mentally is really unique. If you haven't checked out that podcast, make sure that you do that. But on one of his podcasts, he was talking about duck hunters who are quote unquote killers. And if an accomplished waterfowl hunter calls you a killer, that is like the highest compliment that they can give. Because those of us that are so eaten up with this, we want to be thought of as competent of what we're doing. Am I a killer? I don't know. I know I love waterfowl hunting. I know I give every ounce of mental space and effort that I can to be successful. I know that I couldn't try any harder to be competent at this sport than I am. I can tell you that. But those first two years, I wasn't, I was just failing. And the comments started in of, you know, those freelance duck hunting, they're good videos, but they sure can't kill any ducks. And it become like a repetitive thing. It was eating at me, especially after season two. It was just eating at me that I just was not what I was showing the public was not the competence that I knew that we had performed from 1991 on. And this hunt that Aiden and I were on, it like broke that streak in season three. We just slaughtered. I mean, we had just a phenomenal phenomenal year of waterfowl hunting and Aiden was with me almost every hunt so getting to know him solidifying our relationship. It was just an unbelievable year. And as was ever since then, actually from season three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, I've been on a run of just great this year. A season eight was probably, I still a shot. I still did. Okay. It was my worst year since season two, but I mean, you can't even compare season eight with season two. You just can't even compare them as far as success rates. Um, and I'm going to do an episode where I go through this stuff on the North American Waterfowler app, Freeland Sun Stats, and break down all these numbers. I've got I've got a video uh, episode coming up where I just break down all the numbers and let you guys in on what can be done with this app because if you're not using it, you should use it definitely. And anyway, this hunt, this teal hunt, and I'll put it on the podcast, the Facebook podcast group. It broke that streak. And the kind of like, it was like a monkey off the back. And then right after that, we got into mallard season and Aiden and I were just crushing mallards. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was such a fantastic year. So this, this hunt 
just really, really meant a lot. Um, it was like monkey off the back kind of situation. So um, that's what Zach was alluding to in that comment. So that was comment of the week. So as I mentioned, every other Thursday, we're going to be doing this kind of format where it's just kind of a catch up comment of the week, Woody's top five. And I told you there is something that Woody talks about in here that just is so funny to me. And I'm going to tell you what it is right after this. Let's go ahead and jump into Woody's top five. All right, boys, let's get this wrapped up so we can get back to hunting. All right, it is time that we're going to bring Woody back on here and see if he's got anything good for us today. So, Woody, you 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 there? Yeah, hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here, Elliot. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for coming back on. It's been a while. Uh, it has, I thought yeah. it was about time to have you back on, see if you got anything new for us. Well, I got to tell you what, I've had a lot of time sitting around since ain't nothing else going on. And uh, I've, I've come up with a few more lists for you. Uh, I want to I want to thank you for in for getting me connected with old Titus out there in California. That was a lot of fun the other night getting on with him. And uh, it was. that that really expanded my market there a little bit i've got all kinds of messages and comments from folks and and uh, i feel like the switch over to woody's been uh productive because the messages i'm getting ain't nothing like they used to be with the whole you know that deal before right. so yeah i'm, I'm really glad good. to hear that and i'm sure that your wife is glad to hear that as well she 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 had yeah it's, she's been off my case a little bit well yeah she ain't been you know she, <laughs> I don't know what to say, Elliot, but uh, she's she's kind of an opinionated woman on certain things, and and uh, she she ain't got a real great governor on her throttle on uh, on her thoughts, and sometimes they just come on out, and so yeah, she's backed off a little bit on that part, but there's <laughs> been been plenty of other things. I, I promise you. All right. Well, tell you, you hope, what. You better hope she can't hear you saying this about her. Oh, she don't pay attention to none of this. Plus, I'm, I made sure she's upstairs so she can't hear it. She's watching the Hallmark <laughs> Channel up there right now. All right. Well, listen here. The first one, I I got a top five for you tonight. That I, uh, It's a top five worst non-hunter phrases. These are things that I hear people say all the time. They just bake my biscuits. I'll tell you what. People start saying these. The, I know they just want to make conversation. I, I, at least I hope. I hope they ain't trying to poke fun at me. But uh, sometimes I wish they'd just talk about the weather or something. Because when they start trying to talk about hunting, they sound like me trying to talk about the ballet. But anyway, number five is people who call geese ducks. <laughs> We was at the park a while back. They some hipster-looking couple out there with their little... I'm assuming it was a boy, even though his hair kind of looked like a girl's hair. It's all grown out long and all. But the mama kept saying, Hey, Braxwell, Braxwell, yeah, I was one of them, Braxwell, look at the duckies. Look at... 
Elliot, there's nine Canada geese standing there. There wasn't a duck in sight nowhere. It took everything I had within me to not walk over there and give them a little lesson on the difference between ducks. And, I mean, how many kids that have grown up in the United States of America don't know? Because you know how Canada geese are, Elliot. They're honking their heads off the whole time. Everybody in their right mind knows that a goose says honk and a duck says quack. Look at the duckies, Black Braxwell. Give them some, giving them some non-gluten breadcrumbs or something. Anyhow, I'm sorry, I should get off on that. Braxwell's quite the name. He's uh, a bad start from the go. Yes, I tell you, dooming that kid to a <laughs> a lifetime of swirlies, if you ask me. All right, number four, people who call a shotgun a rifle. And we ain't got time tonight to go into all the details on it, but. If you don't know what it, there's enough of the stuff in the politics right now with all these, you know, the assault rifles and the the limited capacity magazines and everything. With as much as in people in the news talk about guns, you'd think they'd know the difference between a rifle and a shotgun, but they don't. People will ask me, what kind of rifle do you use to hunt ducks? Well, I don't use a rifle because I don't want to go to prison. <sighs> Lord have mercy. I'm sorry. I'm getting too, I, Elliot, I, I'm getting a little worked up. I had, we had some spicy, uh, had some spicy Chinese noodle food there for supper tonight. And it's got me just a little worked up. I'm got not going to lie. Got you going a little bit. A little bit. Number three, people who call shotgun shells, this is about the same now. People who call shotgun shells bullets. I, I've made the mistake on a couple of occasions, Elliot. I, I've made the mistake. I've tried to explain the difference to folks. I just kind of give up on it. If, you, if, if you're a full-grown adult and you don't know the difference in a shot shell or a shotgun shell with pellets in it and a metal casing with a lead bullet in the end of it, then ain't nothing I can do for you. I just, when they start asking about bullets and shells, or, or well, they don't say nothing about shotgun shells. They start asking about bullets. I just nod my head and move on. Uh, number two, this one gets even worse now. I'm, I may have to take a break and go take a, take one of my pills or something because this one gets me real worked up here. People who say, did you catch anything? Did you catch any ducks? Well, I wasn't out there with a dip net. No, I didn't catch no ducks. I was out there with a 12-gauge shotgun or 12-gauge shotgun with shotgun shells full of steel shot or bismuth or something like that. I'm out there to kill stuff. I ain't out there to catch nothing. Now, if I go fishing, that's one thing. But if I'm hunting, if I'm shooting deer, squirrels, rabbits, ducks, geese, whatever it is, I'm going to kill them dead. I'm going to pull the hide off. I'm going to take the guts out, and I'm going to eat them, and I ain't going to apologize for it. I ain't catching nothing. <sighs> now, Speaking of catching, <laughs> here a while back, right after duck season ended, old Lem called me up. He said, hey, let's let's go to the woods. I said, Lem, ain't nothing to do in the woods. The hunting season's over with. We've done picked up all of our decoys and picked up all of our blinds and everything. He said, no, they've extended the squirrel season this year. He said, they've, they've lengthened squirrel season by an extra two months. So why don't we run? Well, Elliot, I don't know about you, but 
I'd rather take a beating than go out and chase squirrels around in the woods, especially after the entire winter of duck hunting and deer hunting and everything else. But old Lim was, he had that itchy trigger finger still. So we headed out to the woods. We, well, the squirrels was all up in this one big water oak tree and they was going nuts. And so I shot one little old gray squirrel and then a big old fat fox squirrel run out on the limb and the old limb raised up and shot it out. Well, that, that fox squirrel was about as big as a house cat. And when it come crashing down to the ground, it hit thud. But as soon as it hit the ground, it took off running. Well, old limb commenced to running after it. <laughs> I can still see it just as clear as day. old limb. That squirrel went underneath the log and limb leapt over that thing. Looked like an Olympic athlete. He landed head first on the other side of it, right on top of that squirrel. Now, I don't know what he thought he's going to do with it once he got a hold of it, but that thing bit down on the end of his thumb. Now, on a regular person, they'd have probably just let go and give up, but old Lem, he don't have a thumbnail on that thumb, and so that squirrel bit all the way through, and once it locked down, the fight was on, and it wasn't about killing a squirrel. It was about survival because that sucker had a... He's bit all the way through the end of his thumb. Lem went to slinging that squirrel around, and Elliot, I kid you not, that thing finally came off, and I bet you he threw it 20 feet in the air. Now, this, I've told you before, I've told you that Lem was a good shot with a shotgun. Right. He slung that squirrel off of his thumb up into the air, and before it hit the ground, he put two, not one, but two shots in that squirrel with that shotgun <laughs> wow. at about 10 feet now, you know what you and old uh oh watch his joel name joel uh, down there in arkansas y'all talked about shotgun patterns and you know what a yeah. shotgun pattern looks like at 10 feet yeah about a nickel well needless to say there wasn't much cleaning left to do on that old fox squirrel but Lim was still able to. Lim was still able to. He's still able to get a couple of hind legs off of it because, like I said, he's a good shot. He put both of them. Put one right. Well, there wasn't no head left, and there wasn't much. much there wasn't much from the rib cage on back. But he got two good shots in on it. Yeah. His thumb looks still. His thumbs still looks kind of funny because he he ain't got a thumbnail on there, but kind of kept a hole in it for a while, and it, it took a while to heal up. Anyway, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I'm getting distracted tonight, Ellie. I'm oh, sorry. I apologize. Hey, I, I'm I'm here for any limb story you got. I I gotta meet that guy. Now, this is number one here. This is just uh, now this bothers me kind of personally. And uh, my brother-in-law, he he gets it. All right. Now he's a he's an outdoorsman himself. He likes to get out in the woods now and then. And uh, they live in the city, though. Him and his wife, they live in the city, and they come visit every once in a while. Uh, here a couple of years ago, he brought me a shirt. It was a camouflage shirt. Said, "Now you can't see me." <laughs> Nobody else thought it was funny, but me and him both got a big kick out of it. Elliot, the number one thing that non-hunters say that just drives me up the wall is, I got camouflage clothes on, and they'll say, "Huh, I can't see you. Where you at?" As if camouflage clothing makes you invisible. Right. And he's never yeah. been the purpose of camouflage clothing. I ain't some X-Men kind of character. Camouflage helps you blend in with your environment. It doesn't make you invisible. 
tell you what, I'd rather them just come right out and call me a redneck hick, because that's what they're trying to say. I'd rather them just get it out there right out and say, you're a redneck hick hillbilly. Just call it what it is instead of saying, oh, I can't see you because you got your camos on. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, so I'm going to have to, after this tonight, I'm going to have to go. I want to go outside and just howl at the moon a little bit or something because I'm a little wound. Don't be up. going up there and getting into a fight with Larnette. Oh, oh no, Miss Larnette is she? Uh, no, I learned. It only took me one time to figure that out. I, I learned what <laughs> happened when I raised I raised my voice to her, and uh, <laughs> didn't didn't end up well for you, did it? I learned how come she got the uh, how come she won the boxing trophy in the fifth grade. <laughs> Anyway, that's your top five tonight, Elliot. I'll, hopefully, next time we get together, I'll be a little more calmed down. Won't get quite so worked up over it. Well, I appreciate you coming on here. I would agree with all of those. It's it's funny how often non-hunters will use those exact <sighs> phrases. So, well, I appreciate you coming on here today. We will have you on in a couple more episodes. We'll have you back on here. See what else you got for us. All right, I'll be working on them for you. All right, guys, this has been a Woody's top five. I hope that you guys enjoyed that Woody's top five as much as I did because they just cracked me up. And I know that, you know, everyone's sense of humor is different and Woody and I kind of have similar sense of humor. And um, so I hope that you're enjoying it. If you're not, if you don't particularly enjoy this kind of humor, then you will see it in the title and you can avoid them. But I, I think that most people do. And so you will see them in the title and know where to seek out the Woody's top five. So what I was going to say is the thing that just cracked me up out of this top five was when he was talking about when Woody was talking about the little boy and his mom and the little boy, his name is Braxwell. And where are like Braxwell, Braxwell. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. It just killed me. So funny. So funny. <laughs> So anyway, that's all I've got for you today. Remember every Monday, every Thursday, and if you want to support what I'm doing here, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting, you can get entered in the chance to come and be on the podcast with me. You can get entered in a chance to come hunt with me. And there's also a waterfowl course over there, a 10 part video series waterfowl course for beginners and not only beginners, but also I think it's got value for everyone where Jordan and I actually made this, this waterfowl series where we're going through all the basics of waterfowling and you can get access to all of those videos as well. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the North American waterfowler until next time. Every day ticked off the calendar is another day closer at season. I'll talk to you guys later.